Well, we find ourselves in this holiday season again, and I want to wish all of you the very, very best. The gift has become an annual opportunity for us to give back to God during the Christmas season. Our fellowship family has developed a culture of generosity, believing that through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to God, our resources can be used to make a difference locally, regionally, and globally. Last year, the people of Fellowship gave over $560,000 to the gift, which was prayerfully distributed by the elders to many worthy causes around the world. This year, we will again review the many requests made, but will also consider reducing the current debt with Fellowship Bentonville. Throughout the month of December, we are asking that you please prayerfully consider donating to the gift again. It's between you and God. We will make special envelopes available, or you can visit the giving page on our website, fellowshipnwa.org forward slash the gift. Thank you for your participation in the past and the difference you've made in the lives of so many through your generosity. Let's never forget how good God has been to us. It's Christmas time, people. Yeah. It's that time of year where I text my buddy Drew and ask to borrow his suit. By the way, Drew is six foot three, if you can't, can't tell. Uh, hey, my name's Hunter. I get to work with our Fellowship Bentonville team. If you are new, we're really glad that you came to worship with us this morning. Two ways you could get connected. One is through this QR code. You can fill out some information. Uh, you can also come out to the booth and introduce yourself uh, to us there. We would love to meet you. I do need to publicly apologize if you are new. You probably did not get the memo that this is our dress code during Advent. So next week, just come back looking a little more festive. Hey, last week at the family Advent service, I got to worship with this little guy. Uh, this is my five-year-old Duke who loves to take selfies on dad's phone by the hundreds. So I spend a lot of time deleting those. But he and I got to sit down, and the family team did a great job of just creating a space where we could worship together and process questions. And one of the things they asked was, hey, write down some ways that your family can be generous and can serve and be a light in your community, in your neighborhood. So we wrote some things down. And one of the things I wrote, uh, number four there, was give away some, some money. And I looked at Duke, and I was like, hey, is that something we should do as a family? He goes, nah, I'd rather buy a Nerf gun. And... Uh, it's like, well, that tension's still real as a 33-year-old. So one of the things that we are processing as a family that we're committing to is to give generously to the gift. Um, I love the gift because our elders hear of so many more opportunities than we do as an in individual family. Um, and they pray through all the money that's given and bless people near and far. It's just a really fun thing for us to do. And so I wanna invite you to do that uh, as well as an individual, as a community group, as a family, whatever that looks like for you, to experience some of that joy of generosity, um, the gift is a great place to be able to do that. We are less than 100 days out from worshiping at our new campus in Bentonville, which is nuts. So yeah, 12 weeks. So 12 weeks uh, from today, we will, Lord willing, uh, be worshiping there as a Bentonville congregation. And you can see some pictures. The last 12 months have been so life-giving and so fun. We're open. We just don't have a building yet. And we've been gathering and we'll continue to gather. And we're multiplying community groups. We're recruiting leaders. We're going to be doing that a lot over the next couple months. So if you're going to be part of our Bentonville congregation um, and you have an itch to serve in some capacity, there will be a need. And we would love to know that. We'll be gathering names and doing trainings uh, probably in January or February. Also, all of us, Bentonville, Rogers, and Springdale, you can be looking out for this 40 days of prayer. It's specifically for the launch of our Bentonville campus, but uh, Rogers and Springdale, we'd love to have you pray with us as well. That'll come mid-January as we get ready to uh, open at the end of February. Our staff is coming together. Believe it or not, I am no longer in student ministry. I know that's hard to tell this morning, but part of my new role in Bentonville will be to equip and shepherd 20 and 30-year-olds. So Simon Foster, Amber Kate, and others have done a great job uh, serving all three cities. And as we launch Bentonville, I get to step into that for Bentonville people. So if you fall into that category, uh, single, married, young kids, it doesn't matter, I would love to meet you. Um, I will be out at the booth afterwards and would love to get to connect with you. Uh, last thing this morning, Advent is upon us. By the way, I think 
we have different definitions of what the word dress festive means, uh, Seth, so feel a, li- feel a little left out up here, but that's okay. Hey, this morning you're in for a treat. I sat uh, down here at about 7.30 while they were rehearsing, and uh, we get to have strings and get to worship uh, together this morning as we reflect on the coming of Jesus, but we've got a couple of things happening with Advent. Hopefully you're getting Advent devos emailed to you each day. They're an incredible way just to stop and to slow down each morning and reconnect with the Lord. Uh, if you're not getting those, you can find them on our fellowship app. Also on the app, you'll see uh, Christmas Eve service details that are coming up. There will be quite a few options for Rogers and Springdale folks here on this campus. And if you're part of Bentonville with us, we are going to be at Orchards Park on Christmas Eve at 4.30, which that is outside if you uh, haven't caught on to that. But it's going to be like 75 and sunny, so don't worry about the weather at all. As we gather this morning, man, we don't have to wait to, to worship or till teaching to celebrate. We get to celebrate what God is doing uh, through a life changed by having a baptism. So I'm going to pass it off to Kenneth as he gets to baptize his daughter. No, not yet. Thank you. Good morning, fellowship. My name is Kenneth Biesterveld, and this is Anna, the amazing and beautiful daughter to my wife Stephanie and I for almost 11 years now. When Anna approached me a little over a year ago and said, Dad, I want to be baptized. I thought to myself, you know, we were so elated. We couldn't be happier for her to tell us that because we'd seen her grow so much in her faith and, and telling us about the, the history of God and, and the things that he does in our, our lives. But I paused for a moment. I asked her why. I was like, you know, why, why do you want to, you know, why do you want to get baptized? And she's like, she responded real quickly and she said, Dad, you know, that ring that you have is a sign of, you know, marriage and commitment to your spouse. And she said, baptism to me is a sign of commitment to God. And I thought to myself, you know, that's such an amazing response for such a little girl. And so we're just so happy um, to be here today. Unfortunately, the last couple of years has halted (laughs) our outward uh, profession of faith. And so we're just so happy to be here with you today, our fellowship family, to be able to do this. Anna is such a, you know, she possesses such great qualities. She's so strong. She uh, has so much compassion for others. And she is a ray of light and positivity um, in a room and just such a joy to be around that I couldn't be happier for her to join us as followers and believers of Christ to spread the message of, of his, that, uh, his message um, throughout um, the world and to others. So Anna, is it your testimony that you will follow Christ through eternity and, and uh, carry his message forward to others? Yes. So down here yeah right there so with that as your brother in Christ I'm happy to baptize you buried with Christ in baptism all the way down raised raised to walk in the newness of life It's always a joy to start a service with a baptism, isn't it? Man, it's so encouraging. Good morning, my name is Seth, and and I get to lead worship here at at Fellowship. And uh, this morning is the second week of our Advent season. Um, So Advent, if you don't know what Advent is, uh, it's simply just the time period between Thanksgiving and Christmas that the church has traditionally celebrated the coming of Christ and look forward to to it with anticipation together. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at this theme of peace, that Christ, when he comes into our world, he brings peace. And uh, I thought, you know, what better way to speak peace than strings? So it's going to be great to have them up with us. Um, If you're looking for seats, there's some up here. If you're in the middle, um, in these middle sections, if you would scooch into the middle of your section, that would really help us get some people in. Thank you for that. So one really cool thing about this Advent thing is that this morning, as we enter into this worship service, we enter alongside brothers and sisters all across the world who are observing Advent together across denominational lines, across the ages. How cool is that? People have been celebrating Advent for centuries. 
And so this morning, as we look toward peace, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. And uh, as we continue in worship, um, it's gonna, we're gonna tell the story. And I just invite you to be present to God. Just be present to God this morning. There's gonna be lights, there's gonna be strings, there's gonna be all these things, but don't let them distract. Let them draw you into his presence. You with me? All right, let's pray together. Oh, promise Christ, we are a world at war. Our peace depends on your coming. We are a sinful people. Our pardon depends on your coming. We are full of good intentions, but weak at keeping promises. Our only hope of doing God's will is that you should come and help us do it. Lord Christ, word made flesh, our world waits for your peace, for your pardon, and for your grace. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Thank you.
Let's continue to worship this morning and read Isaiah 9, 6, as we light the candle of peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. You may be seated.
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And O Triune God, we are grateful for your story, that your story has swept us up, that your story is our story, it's been good this morning to sing through, to hear the story of God. We are men and women who are dependent upon your coming. If you had not come, we would have no hope. If we had no hope, we would have no peace. And if we had no peace, we would have no joy. But Father, those are ours, and they're ours in you. And so this morning, as we walk back through a story that we've sung and that we've heard, would you pull out truths in your story that would touch our hearts and encourage our lives and deepen our faith and our trust in you? We're tired of walking by sight. We want to walk by faith, and we need your word to come alive in our heart to do so. So speak. Your people are listening. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. And Merry Christmas. Oh my goodness. Not quite in the Christmas spirit, are we? <laughs> yeah, only Hunter is this morning. <laughs> oh. But don't you love good music? I love good music and I'm particularly fond of a well-written lyric. That's probably why I'm partial to a genre of music known as singer-songwriter. It's a uh, a genre where the musician writes, composes, and performs the lyrics and the music that they themselves have written. And I tend to listen to this type of music when I'm in a particularly reflective mood. Maybe you're the same way, where whatever you're walking through, you want to find a song that matches just that. And so let me ask you, what song do you look for or do you hope to hear when life has just dealt you an uncertain blow? When it's thrown you a curveball, what, what kind of song do you want to sing even? When an unexpected piece of news comes your way, maybe it's the kind of news that's going to change your plans for the future, or maybe even threaten your relationships, or create a, a future that is unknown and in turmoil. Well, listen, the Advent story that we just sung through and then heard read over us is a singer-songwriter song. The Advent story includes an original score. The artist's name is Mary. Her hit song is known as the Magnificat. It's a Latin word that means magnify. And this is the hymn that Mary wrote after hearing that she was unexpectedly pregnant by the Spirit of God with the Son of God. And the opening line of the song that she sings is this, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's an interesting opening line for a song where she just heard news that she was unexpectedly pregnant. It's news that, well, let's be honest, it's news that would be unsettling even if it was a typical pregnancy. Hey, when you hear news that big, you, you typically want to go and process it with someone you know. 
That's why the first act that Mary does after hearing from the angel Gabriel that she is carrying the Messiah, the first thing she does is go to her cousin Elizabeth to process the news with her. It's not uncommon. We do the same when we get big news. I don't know why this occurred to me this week, but it hit me that it was exactly this week, 16 years ago, when Lisa found out that we were pregnant unexpectedly with our fifth child. The news didn't come foreshadowed because she was at a doctor appointment for a routine appointment, only to find out she was pregnant. What made that unexpected is we had just had our oldest child take her senior pictures the day before. (laughs) And four other teenagers were at home. And Lisa did what you do when you get unexpected news. You need to process it with someone. So she called me. And she was crying when I answered the phone. And I said, honey, is everything okay at the doctor? And she said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't need to make you worry, but... I'm just standing in a pharmacy line getting a prenatal vitamin prescription filled. (laughs) And then I needed to process. (laughs) And so I hung up the phone and I turned to my office mate, Chip Jackson. And to be quite candid, we both just laughed together. I said, I gotta do something in middle age. I might as well do something more than just mow the lawn. (laughs) And it did bring joy but it took time to adjust unexpected news. By the way, we've often kidded around and said the Lord knew that we would have more joy than a middle-aged couple deserves to have. And I don't know how long Mary had between getting the news that she was pregnant and processing this with Elizabeth. I think the scriptures tell us there's a pretty short window of time. It tells us she got up and she journeyed to go see Elizabeth. And then she gives this opening line of her song. And notice that it says, my soul, now don't miss the verbs, because the verbs are a really big deal here. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Oh, do you see the source of joy? The source of joy doesn't come in getting news that you expected or having circumstances work out exactly like you want them. The source of her joy was directly rooted in her glory in God. It was found and fixed in God. In fact, her joy was as large as her appetite for the glory of God. And that's huge for us. You know, for the last 20 years, I've tried to hold to a motto, something that came to to us after a deep season of suffering in our family, where I began to root into four simple little words, his glory, my joy. Lord, when you get more glory in and through our lives, we get more joy in the living. Our passion is directly connected to God's glory. And as our appetite for his glory grows, so will our joy. In fact, this morning, your joy factor is directly connected not to the circumstances of your life, but to God's glory in your life. As he is showing off in and through you, your glory begins to grow. And with God's glory in our lives, always comes two specific things. And you see them in Mary's Magnificat, even in the next stanza of the song. Verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And then the next stanza, verse 50, 51. His mercy extends to those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. When you read Mary's Magnificat, her her hymn, two themes always sit side by side. First, she sees the glory of God in and through his presence. And secondly, she sees the glory of God in and through his power. She sings of an arm of God that is 
is long enough to come to her and touch her in her circumstances, but strong enough to lift her up out of those circumstances. You know, when we talk about God wanting to glorify himself in our lives, that doesn't mean merely that God just wants to use us as a mere pawn or a visual aid to show off how great he is. Oh no, oh no. Every time we talk about the glory of God in our lives, we are talking about a God who is revealing himself by showing us he's present with us and he's powerful, strong enough to accomplish his will in our life. And that's why when we lock in on God's glory that comes in his presence and in his power, our joy factor comes alive. That's what brings joy. See, joy comes from seeing the presence and the power of God. And that's the truth of Mary's song. In every circumstance, happy or sad for your life, easy or hard, this is the truth that actually soothes a heart that needs comforting, but also fuels a heart that needs energy. And that's Mary's story. But we just read through and had sung over us her whole story. And we know that is not where her story begins, is it? No, her story began back in verse 26, where Sam took us last week. Once again, let's read what we've already heard read over us this morning. In verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is, there it is, the presence of God. He's with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Listen, we're talking about Mary's joy and even peace factor, but, but that's not where she started in the beginning of her story. In fact, the text tells us exactly what Mary's thinking and feeling. The text uses the phrase, greatly troubled and wondered. You and I could read, she's thoroughly shaken and very confused. You been there? Have you had news that has shaken you and just you wonder what God might be up to? So if Mary is having to define her joy and even her peace uh, tied to smooth circumstances, she has no shot at joy. And then the next words of the angel will send her world shaking even more. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Quite simply, Gabriel is saying, um, Mary, the good news is this. God will come to mankind as a man. And that, by the way, is good news for all generations, we read. But for Mary in the short term, this is news that would shake her peace and shake her joy because this news means probably a broken dream for she's engaged to another man. This relationship will probably be over. This news probably means public humiliation. Her family and friends will just assume she's committed adultery. This news might even mean death if her town and spiritual community chooses to exercise the fullest extent of the Mosaic law, which is stoning for adultery. Yeah, at best, Gabriel's message means that, that Mary will be ostracized. At worst, it could be death. And again, if she's gonna anchor her joy and peace on circumstances, poor girl, poor girl. But just like our joy, can be connected to something bigger and higher than our circumstances, so can peace. 
And through the angel of Gabriel, God is issuing to Mary this opportunity to trade up from the common worldly definition of peace that most of us embrace, which is peace happens when my circumstances are right and in my control. No, no, she can trade up to a definition of peace happening when she begins to see the purposes and plan of God. How does she respond? Let's read. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Don't forget what we just said about the glory of God. It always comes with his presence and his peace, or I'm sorry, and his power. Let's read that 35 again. The Holy Spirit will come on you, presence, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, power. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The angel continues in verse 37, no word from God will ever fail. And Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. What a change of heart. I mean, we just read that in verse 29, Mary was greatly disturbed and thoroughly confused, right? And now we're reading here in, in verse 38, Mary is a woman at rest and really surrendered to God. What moved this young lady from verse 29 to verse 38? Verse 35 in the middle. She saw God's presence and power. And seeing God's presence and power doesn't just give her joy. It gives her peace. Peace comes from seeing the presence and the power of God. Wait a minute, I thought we just said the joy came from seeing the presence and the power of God. And this is why I believe the Holy Spirit is being purposely redundant in retelling the story to us. God the Father knows that we need to be fathered because we are creatures built for peace and joy. We get up hungry for it. And he knows where it comes from. It comes from his presence and from his power, his work in and through our lives. It's a purposeful connection. Peace comes from seeing the presence and the power of God. Joy comes from seeing the presence and the power of God. You know, peace and joy are not necessarily the same thing, but they are radically connected, aren't they? When your peace is gone, your joy is a bit shaky. When your joy is shaky, it's probably a hunch that your peace is gone. I think that's why F.B. Meyer, who's a British pastor and evangelist about the time of Dwight Moody, about a hundred and some years ago, he gave one of my favorite quotes about peace and joy. He says that joy is peace dancing and peace is joy at rest. And you know, both of those, peace and joy, are fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're not just byproducts of your good mental state or your good ability to do self-care or anything else that's kind of populated around as sayings. No, the scriptures tell us that they are fruits of the Holy Spirit and that we experience them through the Holy Spirit's work and his presence and his power in our lives. And listen, there's only one way that you can look back on 2021 or look forward on an unknown 2022 with a consistent level of peace and joy. And it's not by banking your peace and joy on your circumstances. If you are over the age of at least 10, you know that life has lots of highs and lows, and sometimes they'll land in the same day or week. And so we've got to land on something more consistent, more constant. And that's why God says, I have come. And with me comes my glory. And with my glory comes my presence and my power, and there can be our peace and our hope. That's Mary's story. Remember verse 35? The angel says, the Holy Spirit came upon her, and the power of the Most High overshadowed her. Men and women, that's our story too. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as the Savior and the leader of your life, meaning 
if you have turned from trusting in your own self and in your own good works to save you from sin and make you right with God, and you have turned instead and chose to, chosen to trust in what Jesus Christ has done on his cross and in his resurrection. By the way, that's what it means to be a Christian. If you have trusted Christ for salvation, then the Holy Spirit has not just come upon you. No, your news is better than Mary's news. The scriptures say that the Holy Spirit has come within us. Presence of God. And not only that, the power of the Most High overshadowed Mary. But the scriptures tell us for the believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit can fill us up from the inside out. Power. Mary's song really is our song for the believer in Jesus Christ. And again, we see in the first portion of this song or this story of Mary, verse 30 through 38, that peace comes from seeing the presence and the power of God. And then later in her song, her hymn, the Magnificat, we see the joy comes from seeing the presence and the power of God. And notice the common verb in both of those sentences. Where's your eyes set? It comes from seeing. We must see the presence and the power of God. And this is where it's too easy to dismiss Mary's story as something that's too otherworldly that we'll never experience. I mean, after all, Mary actually saw an angel. So she got to experience the presence and the power of God by physical sight, right? No, no. Let's make sure we drink in the whole story of God. Because sandwiched in between those episodes of verse 30 through 38, bringing her peace, and verse 46 through 55, bringing her joy, is verse 45, where her cousin Elizabeth says this about Mary. Blessed, by the way, the word means happy. Happy is in someone who's experiencing peace and joy. Blessed is she who has believed has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Men and women, faith was the key to Mary's experience of peace and joy. And faith is the key to our experience of peace and joy as well. We see God's presence and power the exact same way Mary did, through faith, through believing what God has said. Listen, peace and joy come from God you are not gonna be able to manufacture enough of it to live holy and fully alive in God. But he will give more than we can sustain. But we experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit, peace and joy, through faith, through a trust that leads to surrender and obedience to God in all circumstances. And I don't know what this Advent season holds for you, if we're a normal congregation, we have people enjoying the highs of life and enduring the lows of life, and then a vast group in between who maybe are a bit numb with life. And God offers himself and says, anchor yourself in my glory. And my glory always comes with my presence and always comes with my power. And then we experience the peace and the joy of this season. Let me pray. Lord, with the angels, we do say that glory in the highest. But we also acknowledge peace has come and good news of great joy to mankind. And we believe all of this comes because you and your glory have chosen to come near to us and empower us with the light and the life of Jesus. Oh, may we worship him for all that he is and all that he has done this season. And may we experience more of your peace and joy. Can we stand together and worship?
Would you stand or you already are standing? Then as long as you're standing, would you join in with me this benediction, connecting peace and joy to our hope in God. Read this aloud with me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, I know it's shocking, but we've ended a few minutes early. Merry Christmas. Which means you can enjoy each other for a few minutes and greet one another. And if you're normal and like me, you've forgotten each other's names. So say hi and introduce yourselves. And if we can pray for you, the Thompsons are right over here under the sign that says prayer room. And uh, they would love to carry a burden with you. So if you came in heavy laden with something, let them pray with you and for you. And then we'd love to connect with you out in the foyer. God bless you, church. We will see you next week.